Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We're so excited to have you here. My name is Shelby or SheCup. I'm one of the hosts for this show and I'm here with my other host, Austin or Teacup. Yeah, hi, I'm Teacup or Austin or whatever you want to call me. You have so many names. You're an enigma. I know. You can just, hey, hey dude. <laughs> well, so this is our third season we're finally starting our third season and i'm super 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 excited about it do you want to tell them some of the new things that are happening on this season um yeah i definitely do so this season we are kind of taking a jump back to hit some of the pieces of eat and or isu constructs that we have not yet covered in our general pieces of eden so our general pieces of eden kind of covered like Things that are there are multiple of or things we've used as player characters. These we do see in the games, but they're a lot more obscure. And they're not like things that have effects on the main plot necessarily. It's more stuff we might see in comics or the movie or things like that, right? For the most part, there's a couple that are main plot devices. One of them is today. And so given to that, today we are talking about three items. We are talking about the eye, the crystal balls, and the observatory. Interesting. So three in one, is that going to be common to this season that we're talking about multiple in one episode? No, um, this is mainly because I was doing research for the eye and realized that these needed to be included in the research. Gotcha. So they're connected. Yes. Cool. So I think those are all the major updates for season three. So are we ready to get into the lore? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So the Eye of Eden is very obscure as it is only really mentioned in AC Valhalla. 
So we got some spoilers going on for AC Valhalla. So prepare yourself for that. So the eye is a piece of Eden designed to make calculations and foresee the future. It was invented and Im implemented by Minerva. How it worked was, to quote Minerva, was a divination of numbers so precise it would allow the Isu to interact with people in the future as if it was real time. So for all of you people who scoffed at your high school math teacher, math can be dangerous, y'all. Math can be dangerous. You heard it here first. Calculus is evil. <laughs> for many reasons. Um, but so that's the science, I guess, behind it is that it like calculates probabilities and possibilities to such a precise level that it lets you determine the future. Which, you know, to quote Yoda, always in motion, the future is difficult to predict. So Minerva uses this because she foresees a second great catastrophe happening while they're trying to prevent the first one. So she starts reaching out across time to help prevent the second one because she doesn't think that they're going to prevent the first one. My first thought about that is, why are you, if you don't think you're going to prevent the first one, like you're, waste, you're using time that you could be using to prevent the first one by trying to prevent the second one. Yeah, it kind of doesn't, makes sense you know for the goddess of wisdom just <laughs> yeah well you know wisdom and intelligence are not the same thing we learned that in D, &D right yes this is very true she uses it to identify the individuals that can stop it which like how the calculation could be so precise to determine what individual could be used to stop it seems unlikely to me but she uses the eye to communicate with Ezio in the Vatican vault. However, because she is an agent of utter chaos, Juno begins to tamper with the eye, forcing Minerva to destroy it and imprison Juno. This just seems like a really bad idea. So this is also the fun part that comes in, in that... Juno or Minerva just can't help herself and she's got to know. So she creates a second eye to try to contact Desmond in the Grand Temple to see if he discovered a solution to the second solar flare. I'm sure she was extremely disappointed. Well, she does. So this happens in Assassin's Creed 3 and she discovers that Juno is in prison there and this is where she pleads with Desmond to not activate the Aurora Borealis machine to save the um, Grand Temple or to save the Earth from the solar flare because it'll free Juno. And Desmond's like, you know what? I'm sick of being a pawn and you can basically go screw yourself. And he activates it and frees Juno. And that's really it with that before that. So yeah. That's the eye as we know it. So there are two eyes that we know of so far. So by the 19th century, there is an effort 
to retrieve the eye by both assassins and Templars. The assassin Oscar Kane would lead the search, assisting both the Irish Brotherhood and the Parisian Brotherhood in the efforts to retrieve the eye. They would discover the eye and would attempt to retrieve it. However, Kane would take it for himself, keeping it out of both the assassin and Templar hands, which, you know, I wrote my show notes probably for the best. This is probably a piece of Eden that just does not need to exist. Yeah, this one seems really OP. I know I've said that before. Right. So the British assassins did discover rumors of another eye hidden beneath in a temple beneath Bath, with this, if you read Chaucer or are from England, you know that Bath is a place. However, when Cain attempted to retrieve it, that the eye was gone, either taken by the Templars or somewhere someone else. You said that the British assassins discovered rumors of another eye hidden in the temple beneath Bath, but they never found it. Is it possible that it didn't exist? No. Okay, because, so we'll get into that later. Spoiler alert. By 2013, Abstergo had been experimenting on an eye, and they deemed it too difficult to use. And it would take too much time and money to be beneficial to their cause. So is that the eye from England? We don't know. We're going to get into this really interesting in a minute but the last thing is there is a portion of the original eye that broke off that's in a device called the anti-kathera mechanism which was some sort of supercomputer able to divine the future it is currently in abstergo's hands but isn't being used of course so what you're saying is that there are three total possible eyes. The first, the first one created and implemented by Minerva. This was destroyed by Minerva because Juno got her hands on it. Right? Correct. Correct. And then there's the second one that Minerva created after the first one was destroyed. Correct. And then there's the third one that was a rumor was buried in a temple underneath the city of Bath. Correct? Correct. So there's two possible eyes left, Minerva's second one and the one from Bath. So which one does Abstergo have in 2013? We don't know. We obviously, okay, so Kane has the one that was found by when he was helping the Irish and Parisian brotherhoods, the one that was found in Paris. He has mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. And we don't know where he does after the 19th century. The one under Bath is in Abstergo's hands. And the piece of the original eye is also in Abstergo's hands. So, but is it not possible though, that the eye that Cain found is the one that Abstergo has? No, because when he goes to Bath to find that eye, he already has that eye with him. Yeah, I just mean like in the centuries later after. It's possible. But anyway, I'm kind of getting us off topic here for no reason. So, But, but you're saying there are three total eye pieces of Eden. Potentially. Potentially. But this is, this is where the story gets interesting. There are pieces of Eden called the crystal balls. And you are most familiar with this piece of Eden in Assassin's Creed 3. 
It is the means in which Juno communicates with Roton Hegegon or Connor mm-hmm. in the very beginning of Assassin's Creed 3, before he goes on his journey, before he goes to see Achilles. So that's not an apple. No. I think I, ass- ball. I think I assumed that it was an apple. A lot of us did, but it is a crystal ball. Similar to the eye, the crystal ball allows users to communicate across across time via connection to the nexus or the central hub. A lot of computer technology here that I don't quite understand. So we see this in two places in game. The first time is in AC3 when Connor interacts with Juno. And the second time is in AC Valhalla when Eivor retrieves the item from Gorm Kjotunson. Juno speaks to Eivor saying the probabilities lead us here. The calculations give us hope. And we actually see this. Eivor goes to a place called Vinland, which is confirmed to be the Americas. He is meeting with the ancestors of Connor's tribe. Eivor is. Eivor is. And she sees like the entrance to the Grand Temple and Juno says this to her, the probabilities lead us here, the calculations give us hope. And Eivor says, this isn't for me. Mm. She entrusts this crystal ball to the tribe before leaving Vinland. That's really interesting. Does that happen in the last chapter or is that something that happens like in main game? That happens in main game. Mm. These are confirmed to be the same item. So I, I may be getting us off topic by this other question that I have. So Haytham's little thing that he has at the beginning of AC3 that kind of gets him to to meet with Zio, is that a part of this crystal ball or the eye, or is that a completely different item? That is an item referred to as the key, and it's different. So these are confirmed to be the same item. And we'll get this kind of towards the end of this But is the crystal ball different from the eye? Well, you clearly have an opinion on it. I do. And I have a kind of discussion at the rest of the episode after we talk about the observatory. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's interesting. Um, When we see the eye in game, briefly in a vision in AC3, it's a big kind of construct. And when we see the eye in AC Valhalla, it's like at the roots of Yggdrasil and it's also a big construct. Mm. Whereas the crystal ball is something like the Apple of Eden that can be held in the hand. Right. See, I think that implies that they're not the same. Yeah, it's a fair point. I just think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. Right. And so my point of this is, is like, and we'll get into this peak of this, is the eyes that Cain and the Templars are encountering, are they actually eyes or are they crystal balls? Mm. I guess we don't have the actual answer in the lore, huh? We do not. My cousin! Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! Malaka! I get the sense you two are ill fit for whatever it is you're plotting. (laughs) This one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. No, we do not. Sons of Ragnar. I know of many. 
but never have I heard of dull and duller. So welcome to the mid-break. This is the part of the episode where we talk about all things that have to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of the Assassin's Creed universe. So the first thing I have to tell you about is that the best way to support us is through Patreon. We have all different tiers of financial support, all the way from as low as like $5 a month um, and up into higher levels. At the $20 a month tier, you can come and join us on the show. Um, every month for topics that all the patrons vote on. So um, we do have a new patron and it's their person. The new patron is Eli A. Thank you so much for supporting us. They will be on um, a patron episode coming soon. So that will be super, super duper excited. And I'm pumped about it. So we also have a new review to read. If you can't support us financially, reviews are also a really great way to support us. Um, And so I do have a review to read today. And this one is from Divergent7706. Five stars, fantastic. And they say, I really love this podcast about the Assassin's Creed universe. It really explains more about the backstory to how everything began with the Isu and the Apples of Eden. Although I'm an Assassin's Creed super fan, I feel that I've learned more about Assassin's Creed than meets the eye. Well done. We work in the dark to serve the light. We are assassins. Quote from the Assassin's Creed movie. Thank you so much, Divergent. We're so thankful for your podcast. Now, um, other things I have to tell you about is that you can join our Discord server, come hang out with us, talk about all things Assassin's Creed and other games as well. I have not made much progress yet on my playthrough. I know I said I was going to uh, get back into it around Thanksgiving, but we have been out of town and traveling this week, so I just genuinely haven't made that much progress, but I am still working my way through Assassin's Creed 3, hoping to be done by the end of the year. So, yeah. I look forward to your experience of the playthroughs. And so I also, given in the playthrough, I do want to give a little update that I am still planning to finish AC Val- or AC Odyssey on stream. I'm just trying to get back into the stream rhythm and figure out what day works best for me. So look forward to that or look out for that coming in maybe a couple of weeks, but especially in 2023 of that stream coming back and me realizing how to optimize the stream and best do that so we can hang out and play Assassin's Creed. Cool. Well, let's get back into the content. Me, Haytham. I come in peace. Why are you speaking so slow? <sighs> Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told you could train me. No. Go away. I'm not leaving. Yanka! Yanka! Is everything all right? What do you think? Look at this place. I'm poor Bianca. If something's happened to her... Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio. Charmed. All right. 
So the last item we're going to talk about is a big one. It is a major plot device in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. So if you have not played Assassin's Creed Black Flag, sorry, Shelby, there will be heavy spoilers for you coming into here. So if you have played Assassin's Creed Black Flag, the observatory is a device which allows you to observe an individual by placing a vial of their blood into a crystal skull. When you do this, it projects an image of yourself looking at what you're doing. So as it is as if the person using the observatory is looking through your eyes at things. So this is really interesting because it reminds me of another game series and that would be Dragon Age. Um, I know you guys probably are, if you don't play Dragon Age, you're probably sick of me talking about it, but it, it reminds me of the Ocularum in Inquisition, which are skulls of human people that are magical um a crystal has been placed in the eye and then you look through it it's it's a very very similar concept to me except that instead of looking through and finding magical shards you put someone's blood in it and you see through their eyes right like the the outcome is different but the process is the same right and so obviously this has huge espionage potential in it because, you know, and that's the whole plot of Assassin's Creed Black Flag is let's collect blood from all the rulers of the world and then we can spy on them and use it to control them and bring in the Templar New Order. So its construction was overseen by Aida, the Isu, which we know as Juno's husband. It would, who would pass down the ability to use it to various Isu sages. The observatory would be largely unknown except for by the Aida sages, but the observatory would be rediscovered by Edward Kenway, who would attempt to seize it for himself as a prophet to sell it to the highest bidder. Uh, he would eventually decide that it's best kept out of the hands of everyone uh, as it was too powerful for anyone to wield. Also in the observatory are hundreds, if not thousands of vials of Isu blood. Which hundreds of thousands? Yes. The sage Roberts tells you in game that those would be of little use to you because those people are long gone. So that then implies that the blood can only be effectively used in in the in the crystal skull if the person's still alive. Correct. Gotcha. Which, why would you want to see through a dead person? Well, I guess if you could, like, verify what happened historically. Like, you could go back and almost kind of like a mini animus. Like, you could go back and and relive um, their memories of, of how things happened. Ironically, the observatory is not sought after by the modern day Templars. Which, this will just terrify all of you. Why? It is not sought after by the modern day Templars because its observation abilities was on par with modern surveillance technology. So the Templars did not go after it because they deemed that it wasn't necessary because they basically could already do it. 
I mean, it makes total sense. And if you think you're not being surveilled, you are 100% of the time. Like it, your phone cameras outside, stoplight cameras, like all kinds of things. And it's not even like all some big conspiracy. It's just like, this is what they do now. But you have a lot of groups that will pay for that kind of information. And it's very scary. This is why I don't let um, my phone have my location. <laughs> Yeah. Call me crazy. I believe Dwight Schrute said it best in the last episode of The Office when he tells everyone that they were watched and recorded way more than they ever were. Yeah, absolutely. So, however, Abstergo did want the site for access to the Isu blood to assist with the Phoenix Project. It also seems that the, the observatory can only truly be used by a sage. Mm. So when the Master Templar of Black Flag, uh, Torres, Grandmaster Torres, tries to use it, it doesn't work. Mainly because he doesn't have the skull with it, but it like activates a defense mechanism and you can't really see it. He can't use it. And, Interesting. Right. So they do attempt to recover it. They send Sigma Team to come and recover it. Uh, however, Berg, when he discovers it, deems it inoperable and concluded that it suffered a critical failure and was no longer usable. Also, the Isu blood had been taken out. It was no longer there. Oh, okay. So I have two questions. So first, is he just assuming that it's no longer operable because he's not a sage and therefore can't use it to its full capacity? No, it's straight up. It's actually inoperable. Okay. It suffered a catastrophic failure right okay so then my second question is who took the blood it is inferred that it is gone by the time that edward returns to the observatory to confront Tor torres so it is implied that the sage roberts took the east Sioux blood and hid it somewhere why did he so. want that just so it would be away from every other person or something um, my guess, remember, Aida's goal is to reunite and resurrect Juno. My guess is that he put it somewhere where the instruments of the first will would eventually find it. Mm. I mean, that tracks. But so that's the observatory. And we'll get more into the observatory's history when we start talking about deep dives on Edward Kenway and other topics about that. But my question kind of remains is like, could the crystal ball, the observatory, and all these pieces actually just be fragments of the original eye destroyed by Minerva? Mm. I guess I feel like it's possible. But to me, I, I see the argument for crystal balls way more than I see the argument for the observatory. Um because the crystal balls and the eye, they just feel way more connected to me, um, partially because of the communication aspect. But I feel like the observatory is a much more complex thing than the other two. So I feel like that's why it's different. And I don't have a lot of like lore basis to um, like make that claim. I, I just, that's just what I feel on the first, like, Here's another question. 
So we know that the Diglock, the precursor to the Animus, go back all the way to our Animus episode. We know that it was created with the assistance of an Apple of Eden. Could the Animus itself be a replication of this type of technology? Right. That's what I was going to say, because and I think I did say earlier that the the observatory feels like a miniature animus. But when you combine all three of these, it really feels like it has almost all of the components of the animus, like with the blood, the DNA, the communication aspect, the kind of like calculations thing and um all of that it just it feels like if you combined all three of these different pieces of eden they all combine to create the animus right which makes sense because the apple can hold a historical record of the isu and like it shows Ezio the or it shows altair like how to make the gun blade and all kinds of things so it could be used to that but this these three pieces of eden particularly the eye and crystal ball, could explain a big mystery of the Diglock creation, which is when assassin Eddie Gorm, the minds get switched via time, which would make sense if animus in and of itself is connecting the individual to this nexus or whatever it. So it's more than just like you living through a simulation. You are connected in and of itself to time itself. Which could also argue for the assertion that Layla's animus could, in fact, manipulate time. I feel like, though, if this was true, we would have way more instances of like people getting their minds like crossed over um, with other people. Right. But if we remember, the instance of that happening is that. What is happening is Eddie Gorm is using the Diglock and Animus at the same time that a modern day assassin, ancestor, like descendant of Eddie Gorm, is using an Animus to relive that exact moment. Mm. The odds of that happening are so like small, it put probably is almost zero. I guess that's true. I hadn't thought about it that way. And so I think that, you know, I feel like I have my tinfoil hat on and there's a big like <laughs> paper board with all the strings attached <laughs> over here. But um, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about during this episode on this subject? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, thank y'all so much for listening to this episode of the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. I'm She Cup and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins.
Hello, Vault Dwellers. Join me, Jaxus, Sassy Lady Rover, Eric, and the Creator Maverick as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.